so how's it going? It's going. Had some uh, technical difficulties this evening, but I think we're getting it back on track. I feel like we've said that at the start of the last like four weeks of episodes. I'm so we've got to get our lives together. The thing is, it's not our faults this time. No. It's not. Like, the past few times have not been our fault. Uh-uh. Don't, it's, like, crazy. I like, Don't blame us. No. Um, and so, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to record this separately, too, because it just quit on me. So, that's <laughs> fun. Um, anyways, um, so I started watching this week's movie, and I had put in the very, very back of my mind how much I hate this guy. Uh-huh. Which is a lot i hate him very many very many very very many much very many much hate yes that is correct um he is the fucking worst so speaking of people i hate aaron Mm -hmm. me i told you this off air yes but um i just hope aaron that one day that you find you someone who loves you as much as this judge loves Kyle Rittenhouse. Dude, I cannot even with this judge. It He is so unprofessional. I hope he gets recalled after this. It's out to the jury now. I'm not sure if he's going to get fully acquitted, but he's definitely not going to get convicted of murder, I don't think. And no, I'm fucking mad about the, it. Not whatever the prosecution had to offer lesser charges, just in case. JSE. Yeah. Well, and two, did you see the whole Veterans Day thing? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so on Veterans Day, the judge comes in and he's like, Roar, it's Veterans Day. I'd just like to thank all the veterans. Do we have any veterans in here? And the only one was the prosecution or the the defense's next star witness. Uh Uh-uh. And so the judge was like, Roar, so thankful for your service. Thanks for, like, putting your life on the line for us. Blah, 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 blah. Which, yes, we support the veterans. We Aaron do. And I 100% support the veterans. Absolutely. But that is very inappropriate in a court of law. Yes. To, to outwardly thank the next witness for one, either side. If it was for the prosecution, I'd be just as irritated. Well, maybe yes. not just as because Kyle Rittenhouse is a piece of shit. But theoretically, I would be. And I just, I don't get it. He's so clearly biased. I I don't understand how they have not been able to do anything. Yeah. Um, I just, if I ever, if I ever have to be tried for anything, mm-hmm. I hope to God I have a judge who like has a coexist sticker on his, like bumper sticker on his car. Totally. Because like, that's the equivalent. And then I can just like sit easy. Yeah. Be like, hey. And like some of the things that people have been upset about I knowing like legal stuff as much as I do I've been like okay but that is pretty common like not being able to call the victims victims because that presumes the guilt of the person on trial but a lot of people don't understand that but also like a much of the other stuff is just outright bullshit and it's so biased and it makes me so like mad throwing out that sixth charge of a minor in possession of an yeah. assault weapon that's he was a minor in possession of an assault weapon without an adult supervision like that was the strongest charge against him he definitely did it 
Um, but so I read this from Trevor Noah the other day and I actually kept it in my, um, uh, photo album just so I can use it after the verdict probably. But it says, quote, nobody drives into a city with guns because they love someone else's business that much. That's some bullshit. No one has ever thought, quote, oh shit, it's my solemn duty to pick up a rifle and protect that TJ Maxx. Yeah. They do it because they're hoping to shoot someone. Yes. So it goes back to intent, 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 intent. And Kyle Rittenhouse went to another state with a a weapon that he had no business having because it was illegal for him to have it and intended to shoot someone. And he did. And this is something that I have actually said recently. Um, Dr. Sarah joking around. I don't remember what we were saying, but she was like, you know, possession is nine tenths of the law. And I was like, actually intent is nine tenths of the law. And you you're right. literally well, actually to your wife, which I did. It's going to get you killed, but listen, I'm a white man. I it's required it is. when we're, when we're born, they give us a book. Uh-huh. We have to memorize it. Mm. And it's just called how to be mediocre. Yeah. And I was the best at memorizing it. So I am the most mediocre. Speaking of mediocre white men, I would like to just shout out. She does not listen to this podcast. Taylor Swift. (laughs) I'm sorry. She does not listen. Like you said, like this is the greatest regret of your life. It is. But she might. Okay. So back to why. Say what you want about Taylor Swift. Um. But, but the she, ten minute version. But the ten minute version of All Too Well fucking killed me. But also, she re-recorded all of her music to spite a mediocre white man, and I uh-huh. love that journey for her. It makes me so proud to be a Swiftie. So, and I'm a new Swiftie. Y'all know that. So yes, but I am like fully on board with this. Like fuck Scooter Braun, fuck Scooter Braun, fuck him. Um. Not that there's any correlation, I know, but you know, he went through that, he went through a divorce right after she put out her first re-recorded album. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I mean, I'm not saying it's related, but see what happens when you fuck with Taylor Swift. It's true. Uh, Speaking of people who fucked with Taylor Swift, Jake Gyllenhaal, where's the scarf? (laughs) I just want to know where the scarf is. So now all the speculation is which one she's going to release next. I'm pretty sure it's going to be um, Speak Now, which is about John Mayer. So. Uh, Well, listen, I don't know. Swift Talk will tell you in a heartbeat. Look, Swift Talk can, they should make Swift Talk solve crimes. Because they would. I will admit, I made fun of them a few episodes ago where I was like, I watched one that was like, so I saw a video of Taylor and she was wearing a shirt with blue buttons and blue buttons made me think about her favorite color, blue. Her cat loves blue. She got her first cat when she was re-recording red and like, and she went through the whole thing and then they were like, and that lets me know that Adele is putting out a new album. So Taylor moved her album up a week early and like three days later, they announced Adele's album. Listen, if Taylor Swift's re-recording of red did not ruin your life last week um adele is sure as hell gonna do it this week yeah (laughs) and i'm here for that too i'm ready to be just fully immersed in my depression for another weekend that'll be two in a row yay listen 
I've been gearing up for Christmas season. I've been to two Christmas markets already. Mm -hmm. All I've had is Holly Jolly Christmas and Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer playing oh, above God. me. So um, I have been excited to come home to depress Taylor Swift. My literal nightmare. Except that, like I told you um, the other day, when Red came out, uh -huh. I listened to Red so many times on repeat that my Spotify just stopped playing it. <laughs> Like it was like you've had enough it's of like that. you are too you're you're wandering into dangerous territory here. Uh, we're worried about your mental health. <laughs> my Listen. little brother laughed at me. We were driving in my car, and um, I went to put on the Frozen album for little boy, mm -hmm. and um, but like my recently played popped up on Spotify first, uh -huh. and it was like all Taylor. It was red, and then it was. Folklore, and then it was everywhere, and I was like, "Don't judge me." And then he was like, "Why is your fourth most listened to thing the Conspiracy Theories podcast?" I was like, "Don't you judge me!" Shut up. He was like, "You're a Swifty, aren't you? Do you have a Swifty account on TikTok?" And I was like, "I cannot answer this question without incriminating myself." <laughs> well, speaking of one last thing to Taylor, that ten minute version of All Too Well destroyed my soul, and. The lyric, you, the two lyrics, you kept me like a secret and I kept you like an oath. Yes. Oh my God. That was beautiful. And I, and when God. she says, every time you double cross my mind. Uh huh. You can't, I just held up my arm like you could see the goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. So she's a genius. Bill, she's a fucking genius. She really Billy is. Billy Joel did an interview recently where he said, none of y'all are giving Taylor Swift enough credit. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. is the Beatles of her generation. She's changed the face of music. She has. And she, he's 100% right. Yep. And they're like, okay, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Taylor Swift's third biggest fan. And I'm Taylor Swift's cat. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jake Gyllenhaal's soap supplier. Um, can confirm he's been crying in the shower since. Listen, Friday. all the TikToks about what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing right now have been fueling my mind because the best one is that girl, Clara, who is like, oh, something, something PR. Oh, yeah, I love her. So she did one for Jake Gyllenhaal and she's like, listen, this is very important. Whatever you do for the next several months, if your neck gets cold, do not wear a scarf. <laughs> I fucking died. Oh, she's like, yes, embrace the turtle. <laughs> and then I... I saw one that was like Maggie Gyllenhaal, like uh, packing up all her scarves. And she's like, Jake, if you'd have just told me, I would have given it back to her. You know, a scarf is my favorite winter accessory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's amazing. Well, speaking of me mediocre white dudes, want to talk about this fucker? No, that's why I've been prolonging it with Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Well, okay, let's talk about this garbage. This week I watched the Natalie Holloway movie. Um, it stars Tracy Pollan. She plays Beth Holloway. She is from um, A Stranger Among Us, uh, First to Die... Bright Lights, Big City. Um, she was in the Michael J. Fox show for a while. That's kind of cool. Okay. Um, 
Then it stars Grant Show. He plays um, Natalie's father, Jug. Okay. Um, he was in The Possession, Ryan's Hope, Dynasty, like the reboot of Dynasty, uh, The Girl Next Door. Oh, right before Christmas. Oh, he was in that Lifetime show, Devious Maids, The Family. So he's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. And he definitely plays a killer in A Criminal Minds. What is that? Oh. Sorry, I didn't know if you could hear it. <laughs> um, and then we have Amy Gumenick, who plays Natalie Holloway. I am pretty sure there were two movies, and I... The only one I could find was the second one, but that's fine. Um, she was she's from uh, Arrow, um, Supernatural, uh, Sweet Dreams, False Prophets, uh, Bird Box. That was a movie. Okay. It was also a book. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I can't find the dude who plays Vander whatever vander woodson um so i won't name him but i just call him vd okay um, because a he is like a vd uh-huh. and b the first thing that came to mind the first time he came on screen was Joran von Duschlord, and so yes. that's vd um perfect so it opens with based on a true story and we open on the body of a girl floating in the water um but it's just a nightmare. Um, Natalie's mom, Beth, wakes up gasping for air. And then we cut to a news interview on the five-year anniversary of Natalie's disappearance. Natalie's mother drops Joran von Duschlord's name. And we cut to uh, May 30th, 2010, which was the anniversary. Um, and also the night that he committed his next murder. So, yay! Um... VD, which is what I will call him, is in a casino and a woman sits down next to him. Um, he looks at her and we cut to the pair of them riding in a Jeep together. Um, Natalie's mother continues her interview about how she lost everything um, over the top of footage of VD and Stephanie Flores entering his hotel room. I did Google her name because I felt it was super important to refer to her. Um, by her name, given what is about to happen to her. They do right. finally get back to the story in the end, and they do reference her by name, but in this part they did not. Um, so, Natalie's mom talks about how she lost her old life the day Natalie disappeared, and now she has a new life talking to parents about what could happen to their children all day long, um, trying to prevent the same thing happening to someone else's child. My gosh. And so as she says, I do this so that another mother will never receive a call like I did. It cuts to a split screen of her um, talking next to VD leaving the hotel room and Stephanie's dead body on the floor. So I'm going to just say this already sounds really well shot. Like was. this was well directed. Mm -hmm. Um, so VD stops on his way out of the hotel and asks the front desk not to clean his room that day. Um, we cut back to one year earlier and Natalie's mother is in Aruba watching footage of VD confessing to the murder to someone who's filming him secretly. 
He's saying that her body will never be found because it's in the sea. Um, the authorities from Aruba turned it off. We're like, huh, that makes no sense at all. Um, we will be doing absolutely nothing about this. Thank you. Great. So Natalie's mom and her attorney are like, what? Um, and she accuses the officials of letting VD Sr. pull the strings politically to get his kid off for murder, which is exactly what happened. But, um, and the, the official dude is like, well, we're closing this case because clearly we'll never have any idea what happened. It's a total mystery. Bye. There's no way to know. And then Natalie's mom, then Natalie's mom burned down Aruba and that's why it's not there anymore. The end. Right. That's why they actually <laughs> can't play Kokomo by the Beach Boys anymore mm-hmm. because it's too painful for us to remember that there used to be an Aruba. Mm-hmm. Um, no, instead she goes out and is accosted by reporters and meets VD's dad on the stairs. She accuses him of being responsible for all of this and he calls her mad and tells her, quote, nobody no crime and how dare you use the words of our great lord taylor swift in this manner (laughs) get your ass to an olive garden sir damn it okay um natalie's mom rips aruba and bd shreds bd to shreds in the media she goes to her hotel and packs up and head home and she is asking her lawyer she's like explain how this is all going so wrong and he's like well Maybe you should just move on. And then she set him on fire, too. Um, this is the best movie. It is a great movie. <laughs> no, but really, Everyone's she's like... Fire. she's like, all on fire. She's like, if this was your kid, when would it be enough for you? Like, when would you stop? And the answer is never. I would never right. stop. Um, but we'll get to what I would do. Or kind of. Well, you've already told us you would set everything on fire. No, that's not what I would do. Um, VD goes to his father's house. Um, His dad accuses him of being a fame whore and tells him to get out of his house. VD is like, are you kicking me out of the house? And his father tells him, I'm kicking you out of the whole damn country. Isn't VD like a grown-ass man? Aren't you kicking kicking me out of the house? Mm -hmm. He he sure is a grown-ass man. Um, Natalie's mom hangs out outside the FBI um casually until her agent friend comes out he tells her they don't have any more information and if there's anything else they could do they would be um vd goes to thailand to hang out with a friend the friend offers to introduce him um to a bar where quote if you show the local girls a dollar they'll do anything well okay and then we're gonna burn him down too Mm mm-hmm but VD's like, no locals. I have a thing for blonde American girls. Asshole. And then he's like, oh, I was just joking. And his friend is like, uh, no American girl is ever going to go near you. <laughs> so they go to a club and he immediately hooks up with an American girl. Um, Great. He sees a friend that he has to go talk to. And oh, cool. It's just some casual human trafficking between him and his buddies, you know. Great. Love it. Um. Beth, meanwhile, goes to her ex-husband's house to complain to him about the judge throwing out the case, but she stumbles upon his birthday party because she forgot his birthday. But he's very gracious and asks her to come in and have a glass of wine. Um, But she does go in and she kind of has this anxiety type attack and she takes off. She apologizes to him and he's again like super gracious. Um, 
and she goes to her car and cries. And I just was thinking, I cannot imagine something like this coming in and running roughshod, like, all over your marriage. Oh, yeah. I don't even think the strongest couple could survive that. No, absolutely not. Um, back in Thailand, VD is convincing all the women to get naked and be trafficked to Holland. Like you Great. do, I guess. Um, but then his buddies say that they want him to pay the expenditures up front and then they'll return it to him, you know, later. And he's like, my mom, my fucking dad just cut me off. No, um, it's a lot of money to come up with. And the girl he's with quips that that's a lot of blackjack. So he slams her against a wall by her throat and tells her to shut up, bitch. Um, I'm not talking about blackjack. I'm talking about the real thing. So he calls a reporter and says in exchange for 50 grand, he'll tell her what happened to Natalie Holloway. The fuck? Okay. She says no, um, that the network wouldn't authorize that. So he sends proof that his story is real in the form of a chip from his cell phone. The reporter calls Beth and she hands the chip over to her. Um, It's supposedly conversations between VD and his father about the murder. One One network expert thinks it's real. The other thinks it's fake. And they want Beth to tell them what she thinks for reasons. I don't know. Um. Jack, listen, we know you're going through some shit. Yeah. We don't mean to bring this up for you. But we do. But, like, could you just tell me, does this sound like your dead daughter? Did she text like this? Well, it's it's not a conversation with Natalie. Oh. Um. They play the tape, and it's VD telling his father that he can't lie oh, anymore. Oh, that's what you said, his dad. And How is she going to verify a conversation with him? Go ahead. Exactly. And her, um, his dad's like, um, tough shit, you gotta lie. And then he says... If they ever find, quote, the girl, there will be proof that he didn't hurt her. And his father says, well, what you've done is pretty bad. Human trafficking is a serious crime. So now we're going to go on a wild goose chase to see if he sold Natalie into sex slavery. Right. Beth knows he's lying, probably, but she cannot keep herself from thinking that maybe this is the one time that he's going to tell the truth. Right. Um, so the reporter goes to Thailand to interview VD and Beth and the, um, other reporter and her lawyer head back to Aruba to confront his father. Um, the reporter does their interview in the basement of a very loud nightclub. That's where I do all of my best interviews. <laughs> um, VD says he told the truth this time because now maybe Natalie's family can find her and that's all he wants because he's such a right, good of course, dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. He goes on to say that they met in a bar and then they went to the beach to make out and then she just got on a boat of her own free will with strangers that were not him and sailed to Venezuela. Aaron, how many times have you gone and made out with a random stranger on a beach and then just got on a boat to sail to Venezuela? Never. Okay. Not even I just, So it's never happened to me, but I didn't know if that was like more of the feminine experience. Like, no. okay. Um... The reporter asks him when he told his father so that she can corroborate the story. And of course, this is where VD clams up because he's a big fat liar. And he says as much saying he fakes the whole conversation with his dad. And then he thanks her for the money and leaves. Over in Aruba, they hear that VD admitted the whole thing was a lie, but Beth cannot be stopped. She marches to VD senior's door and begs him to make VD tell the truth. 
B.D. Senior tells her to get off the property, and she tries to appeal to his mother, who blames Natalie for her own murder, which is charming. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck her. Back in Thailand, he's watching all the news stories about himself. It's very much like the Ted Cruz research that I did that I then threw away. Yeah. Um, Beth is at home drinking wine and watching. V.D. Senior is in his home angrily watching as well. At least they're all doing the same thing. It's like a little pal time. Um, Beth goes to vet, goes to bed, and V.D. goes back to the Thai club because now he has the money for the trafficking. Um, but his trafficking pal is like, um, you're on every TV in the world right now. The deal is off. Um, oh, man. You mean my fame doesn't help me here? He demands his money back, so his buddy puts a gun to his head. You should have just pulled the trigger, dude. Um, right. He heads back to his hotel room and gets a call from his dad, who is like... Listen, I know a judge who wouldn't have even tried you. Mm, yeah. Um... So he gets a call from his dad that, so he kicked him out of the house before, but now he's officially cut off. No more money. Um, dad dad. goes too little too late. Well, it is because dad goes back to the tennis court to angrily slam balls into oblivion where he has a heart attack and dies. Oh my God. So Beth barges into the men's room at the FBI, really lacks security in that building, it seems, <laughs> to tell her buddy that VD Senior is dead. Um, she tells him that if he doesn't go and get VD, she will, which is a really weird thing to say out <laughs> He's back in Aruba, insisting that his father's death isn't his fault. His mom tells him that he's the man of the house now, so he puts on his jammies and opens a file on his computer full of photos of Natalie. Perfect. He looks at all of them and then emails them um, to Beth's lawyer, who goes to ruin Beth's day at the school she teaches at and tell her about the email, within which VD has offered to take Beth to Natalie's body in exchange for more money. No, no one paid this douchebag. He doesn't have anything. Beth thinks they should pay him. And everyone else she's thinks desperate. she's crazy. Yeah. The FBI oh, does sorry. tell Beth that if she can get him on tape asking for money and then taking it, they can prosecute him for extortion because of the laws in Alabama. Um, the lawyer emails VD and... Oh, he emails her, him Beth's phone number, and he calls her at 3 in the morning. She had the handy wiretapping equipment ready to go, though. And so this yokel asks her for $250,000 to oh. take her to Natalie's body. Oh, God. And this is where I wrote, I can tell you how I would handle this as a mother, but it's not legal, and my child is not fully grown yet, so I'm not going to. <laughs> So she and her lawyer go to the FBI with what with the recording. Um, they tell her she has to set up the deal and they'll send her lawyer down to give VD the cash. Um, she calls him again and he swears he would never, ever lie to her because that's just too mean. And he's just ready for a new start. She tells him she'll have the attorney draw up a contract 
And he says he wants a million dollar clause that she will have to pay if anyone ever finds out the information came from him. The FBI guy tells her she's okay to agree. So Beth is going to have to dip into her college fund, her son's college fund, to pay the upfront payment to BD, which is $25,000. She goes to her son and asks him his opinion, saying she won't do it if he disagrees, but he says he would give absolutely anything to see him, to see um, BD behind bars. Poor thing. I know. Um... She convinces her ex-husband to drop her off at the airport, but she doesn't get away without a lecture from him about how she's too obsessed with VD. They go to Aruba, and the FBI wires up her lawyer. He meets uh, VD in a hotel room, but after he only gives him, the lawyer only gives him $10,000 in cash, saying that um, Beth was going to wire the rest, um, he calls no deal. The lawyer chases him down, though, and successfully talks him back into the hotel room. He takes the money and signs the contract. Beth wires him the rest of the money, um, and he says, he tells the lawyer, I'm going to turn myself in after this because um, this all weighs on me so hard. Lies. Lies. Oh, yeah. Um, Uh Beth goes off script and tells her lawyer she wants to talk to him. Both the FBI and her lawyer are like, no. But the lawyer hands VD the phone. She says she wants to know what he did to Natalie, and he says no and hangs up on her. But then he goes on to tell the lawyer another story about what happened to Natalie, saying they were messing around on the beach, and he was carrying her, and she wanted to be let down, but she fell and hit her head on a very conveniently placed rock that looks like a tree stump in this movie. Um... (laughs) And then she was bleeding, and then she had a seizure, and then she stopped breathing, and this was all a terrible accident, so he called his father, and it was all his father's idea to hide the body in the foundation of the house, and now he just feels so bad about it. Blah, 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 die. Um, I hate when I accidentally see a girl die, and my dad accidentally tells me to hide her body in the foundation of a house so that I don't get implicated. Totally. If I had a dollar for every time. I'd have no dollars. Um... So he gives them the address of the house and Beth and her lawyer go there against the FBI's wishes. And it turns out he was lying. No. I'm shocked. Um, so the house that was supposedly built five years ago when Natalie disappeared was only built two years ago, way after she disappeared. So she calls him and um is like fuck you and he tells her he so wishes he could tell her the truth and someday he soups will but not today um he can't right now because he'll be in big trouble with very bad people she says she's going to get him and he then he calls her stupid and hangs up on her um he goes downstairs to creepily stand over his mother and tell her that he was never who she wanted him to be and you know that mean that's like when your kid, you wake up and your kid's standing over you. Uh-huh. And you're like, no water for you, tiny demon. Go back to bed. <laughs> yes. And so I just wrote, um, okay, large demon, go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the FBI to arrest him. But unfortunately, they're four days late. Oh, good. And he's gone. Um, 
Jeff lays into the FBI guy and is like, I fucking told you this would happen. Um, he is in Columbia. So the FBI guy goes back to Alabama and yells at one of his coworkers about the Arubian officials for letting him get away, saying, quote, they probably gave him a ride to the goddamn airport. <laughs> probably. But guess what? You could have had your ass there. You knew when the transaction was happening, you dumb fuck. So what he had done was the Arubian officials, Arubian police were supposed to keep eyes on him at all times. Well, of course, they can't be trusted. And so he got away. Um, probably They probably tipped him off. So... So he tells his um, his coworker, he's like, you get Interpol on this right this very second. No, 10 seconds ago. Now, go. Run away. And so now we're back in Peru. The hotel holds his passport until he pays the bill. Um, Beth is packed up and she and Matt, her son, are headed to New York City for all the press around the five-year anniversary. Because remember, we flashed back and now we're back right. to where we started. Um. She's looking at photos of Natalie on the wall and she has a flashback of one of his stupid stories and um, we're back to where she wakes up gasping. Um, it's the morning of the anniversary um, and the murder in Peru. VD is at the casino and Beth is getting ready for interviews. Stephanie sits down next to him and they meet. He drives her Jeep back to the hotel and they head upstairs. Beth, meanwhile, gives her interview talking about the foundation she created in Natalie's honor. Over in Peru, Stephanie and VD are hanging out. He refuses to tell her his name. So when he goes to the bathroom, she gets up and looks at his wallet and Googles him. Oh, honey. Um, she finds all of the information um, about Natalie. And when she tries to get up and leave. He sees what she's been looking at and he blocks her off at the door. She yells at him to let her out. He pushes her back into the room and starts punching her. Then he strangles and smothers her to death. And I didn't need to see that. Right. Um, the next morning he goes down and gets breakfast for him and his girlfriend. Um, they ask him to move the Jeep. He puts on a damn good show for the security cameras, like knocking on the door, pretending to wait for her to answer before using his key to open the door. And then he sits and eats breakfast next to Stephanie's dead body, which is fucking gross. It's too much for me. Um, then he asks the front desk to keep housekeeping out of his room and takes off. Beth and Matt go home and he helps her bring in the groceries. Like she is, seems to finally be in a good place, in a better place. She tells Matt that he's the most important thing to her. Um, meanwhile, VD's having a real bad day in Peru, vomiting everywhere. Um, Good. He hides the Jeep and then starts hitchhiking. He tells the man that picks him up that he committed a murder and needs to get out of the country. But then he's like, I'm just kidding. I just lost my ID. So the guy who picked him up takes him to some underground place, I guess, to get a new passport. You know that old, I just committed a murder gag. We've all done it. They shake him down and take his jewelry, watch, wallet, and other things. Stephanie's father, meanwhile, comes downstairs looking for her. He asks her mom, and she doesn't know where she is either. So they go to the casino to look for her. Turns out, VD has really bad luck picking murder victims. Um, missing young blonde white girls and missing young daughters of a former presidential candidate do not go unnoticed. 
Oh no. I mean, good, but no. For the record, anyone missing should not go unnoticed, but society yes. is not there yet. Um, they pull the security footage that shows him and Stephanie together. The head of security says they're trying to figure out who the guy is, but the detective that's with them says he knows exactly who that is. Old Yoron Van Douchelord. Back over at the bad side of town, people make VD hide under a blanket so they can smuggle him into another country. Stephanie's parents are beside themselves because it turns out their daughter was just casually hanging out with a murderer when he should have been in prison this whole fucking time. Weird. Um, Beth goes to her ex-husband's house and asks him out on a date. Very cute. He invites her in for coffee and he makes her a little cappuccino and she tells him that she misses him and he says he misses her too. Um, Back in Peru, he's under his blanket in the back of a van um, and the police go to his hotel room and find Stephanie's body. The van runs into a roadblock and they ask the driver if he's seen VD. And the driver's like, no, nah, never seen that guy before in my life. Never, ever. He's definitely not in my back seat." So they make it through the roadblock. Now he's in a different country with no passport. And I'm not sure how that helped. He's a fucking idiot. Yes. Um, the detective goes to Stephanie's parents' house to tell them they found her body in his hotel room. Beth is in her kitchen when she hears the news. The detective in Peru has more bad news. It seems that VD has crossed over to Chile and they don't have jurisdiction anymore. But Stephanie's dad is like, cool, cool. I'm just going to call my friends at Interpol BRB. Good. (laughs) Perfect. Um, VD is in a nasty hotel room in Chile while Beth works herself into a lather about how this is all her fault for giving him money. And the only person who is responsible for the murder and murders is, is the murderer. Um, yes. Beth's character. Oh, I just wrote like a note here. Beth's character slips in and out of a Southern accent this whole movie. And it's super frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> VD sees the police and knows the jig is up. So he calls his mother and asks her for money to come home. And she is like, uh, no. <laughs> He swears he didn't kill Stephanie and that she was asleep when he left her. Sure, Jan. Um, Mom starts asking what she did wrong. Um, Like, Mom starts asking what Mom did wrong or what Stephanie did wrong? Okay. She asks what she did wrong and begs him to tell the truth. She tells him he needs to turn himself in and she can't help him anymore. And then she hangs up and starts to cry. And, like, oh, like, she's been a bitch this whole movie, but, man, that moment must fucking hurt. Yeah. Um, So, he sneaks out of the hotel, or the motel, with his whole face showing like an idiot. Um, The town he's in is crawling with police. He gets in a cab and then completely freezes when the cabbie asks him where he wants to go, hearing women screaming in his head. So he gets out of the cab and just stands in the street until a lady cop, obviously, notices him and they arrest him. Beth gets a- The men cops stop him and are like, hey, have you seen this guy? He looks a little bit like you. Um, Beth gets a knock on her door. It is the FBI agent to tell her that Yoron is in custody. And now we cut to Chris Hansen? 
okay. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, I was not expecting that. He is covering the fake re-record of the extradition process. <laughs> they bring, okay, so they make VD put on a bulletproof vest so he won't get shot in the street like he fucking should be. Um, right. They bring him to the jail and Stephanie's father is there watching. He asks when he'll be extradited to Aruba or Holland. And the Peruvian detective is like, ha, um, you're ours now. You belong to Peru. Sorry. Um, Good. He, he tells a wild tale about how he had no idea what happened to Stephanie. Nobody believes him. He keeps insisting he didn't kill her. And he was literally just on his way back to turn himself in. Um, then he starts to t- in about telling them where Natalie's body is. And maybe he can make a deal in exchange for that information. Um, and then finally he admits to killing her. In self-defense, of course. Um, right. Stephanie's family has her funeral. While VD sits very grumpily behind bars. Too bad. Um, her father said, oh, this was so sad. Her father says that God, oh, they ask him, reporters ask him if they, if he thinks that um, Stephanie's murder will lead to the Holloway case being solved. And he says, God chose his daughter as an instrument for, B, for VD to pay for his crime and so that no other parent will suffer the way that they have. Oh, my God. Which is also, so that's, I don't know if that's actual text from an interview, because sometimes I do that, or if that is just really good parallel writing to what yeah. the mom said in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure I can look it up, but. Um, Beth arrives at the prison in Peru to have a chat with VD. Um, she says she wants to peel the skin off his face, and I mean, same, so. um They bring him in, and he agrees to sit down with her. She asks him what happened to Natalie, saying she just wants to move on, and she tries to appeal to any amount of humanity in him, but he doesn't have any. Um, He asks her for more time to think and for her address so he can write to her. She gives him her email address instead of stabbing him with the pin they gave her, which feels like a mistake to me. Um, Right. Then he launches into a speech about how much he loves gambling, and that's why he never told the truth. And he keeps putting her off saying he needs time to think. Well, okay, so I can see this line of thinking, Aaron, here. Okay, let me walk you through it. Please. I love the penny slots. Sure. And you know there's a casino here. Mm-hmm. And so pressing the button on the penny slots and hearing the ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching when I win $3 on accident is very similar to the rush of killing a young woman and then sure. running internationally and lying to her mom and also police um, and thinking I can get away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids and that dog too. Yeah. Uh, speaking Did of that pennies, make more sense? Totally. You're welcome. Speaking of pennies, this is where the penny drops for Beth. She tells him, she kind of shakes her head, and then she's like, I have been hunting you for so long. I lost my husband. I lost my life. I lost everything because of you. I lost my daughter. I lost everything because of you. Um, but I'll never waste another minute on you. 
she says she hopes he never gets another night's rest because she had he because he has nothing that she wants. Um, VD gets up and he's like, "Cool, um, gotta get back to my cell because you know the days aren't gonna wild themselves away all by themselves." So, um. Beth cries for a minute and then tells the camera that she can't hate him anymore. She's just done. And then VD looks down at that slip of paper with her email address and it's just fuck you at gmail.com. <laughs> and it seems back in on mom and she's holding a middle finger at breakfast club style while, while it sings. Don't you forget about me. She walks out of the prison and we see videos of actress Natalie and Beth together um, quote, VD is currently awaiting trial in Peru for the murder of Stephanie Flores. To date, he has not been charged in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. The end. This was in 2018. I'm pretty sure he's been tried by now. Um, you know, I can't tell you because research assistant Fran did my notes. And they were sent to me 19 minutes ago. There's no way to know. <laughs> but I can't wait for you to tell me. I can't wait to find out for myself. <laughs> I like I really forgot what a piece of actual garbage this guy is like the fucking just oh my the audacity I can't it, yeah yeah it's just I just there's a reason why my brain filed this case very far away me too, me too. um yeah so as i mentioned first and foremost special shout out to research assistant fran as for always my notes this week um i have been burning the candle at both ends and in the middle and so mm -hmm. um fran graciously um offered both of us help and yeah. you graciously offered it to me um you volleyed it into my court and i appreciate that of course well, Fran won't watch movies for me. She'll only watch horror movies for me. So That's true. That's true. Um, so Fran started by saying, the good news is that it was easy to dig into. The bad news is I may have gotten carried away. Oh, I'm so excited. Right? I love when she gets carried away. Um, so I'm going to say right off the bat in reading that in reading this, I kept waiting for the happy ending. I don't know why this one hurt more than the others, but it did. And I agree. Like, I remember first learning about this case. I remember following up on it. And I just had to stop. I just had to stop seeing yeah. if it went anywhere. Because yeah, it I, never did. I remember. Okay, so she disappeared in 2005. I was a brand new mom. I was, like, in the thick of PTSD and um, uh, postpartum and all of that. I was a fucking mess. And then she disappeared. And then I, I kind of had to put it in the back of my brain. And then I remember it came back up when he got arrested for the murder of Stephanie Flores in Peru. And I always was like, oh, I'll look into that more later. I'll look into that more later. And it later just never came. It's horrible. Yeah. I, and it just breaks my heart that even though he's in prison... And all of this stuff has happened. They have never found her. Yeah. And it hit me in a, in a very, we almost said special place, but that's not it in a very personal space <laughs> because she, um, she disappeared on her graduation trip. She graduated 
a year before me. Like, she and I were practically the same age. I graduated three years before, but I also went on a senior trip to, I went to the Bahamas. I didn't go to Aruba, but, like, I could very easily put myself in that exact same situation. Right. Um, so, Fran went on to say that at first, Natalie Holloway had been kind of filed in her brain in the same space as J.C. Lee Duggard and Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. So, she she thought had like a she got out moment in her head that she was waiting for that never never happened well and two i think you know there are all these networks that keep releasing specials on natalie holloway and they have roped the family in and just watching these desperate people search for their daughter's body is not at all appealing to me and it almost is or it is to me very exploitative of their grief yes and i can't watch that shit because it just breaks my heart also yes there needs to be attention to this case this family needs absolutely yeah however the amount of resources that have been spent on this case when there are hundreds of unsolved missing women like young women's cases young women like of the bipoc community who Mm -hmm are not getting any attention. Like yeah. let's spread these resources. It's not going to diminish the things that have happened in Natalie's case to spread those resources a little bit more. And just to clarify for both of us, we don't mean that her family is taking up resources. They no, are not the not problem. At all. No. It is the appeal of a young white teenage girl on television who um Network captures viewers yes and they're using her for ratings they're exploiting her family i hate oxygen recently did like a four episode thing on i think true tco covered it true crime obsessed i can't remember but the whole thing was just it was just a wild goose chase and they're just leading this family on a wild goose chase for ratings Uh and it just makes me sick yeah and i it makes me think of um the amount of Missing cases that appeared. Um, oh, please tell me that woman's name who um, disappeared and was recently, her body was recently found. Brian Laundry was the suspect. Oh, um, the, the victim's name. Please remind me. Because I've just gone blank. Gabby Petito. Yes. While searching for Gabby Petito, the other missing persons cases that were revealed. Seven. seven. They found seven bodies looking for that girl. Yes. That were not her. Right. Before they found her. She was like the eighth body they found. And that's what I think of. That That is disgusting. That for every case that is getting this attention, there are seven or eight that are not, you know? Yeah, it's it's despicable. I don't know how any of those law enforcement people sleep at night. Sorry about um, it. Yes. And like you said, and I thank you for covering that, um, but I just wanted to reiterate, we are not coming at the family because they are doing everything in their power to solve their daughters. They, that is what they, that is their right to do totally to search and to want and to pray and to take everything they can. Where I have an issue is when some idiot in oxygen's uh, pitching meeting was like, let's do another Natalie Holloway special we don't have any new information we don't know anything else nothing new has happened but let's just make one right let's use that time to spotlight another missing person whose case has gone unnoticed right like i feel like the case information of natalie holloway of um 
of Madeline McCann and mm-hmm. of um, Jean Bonnet all get put in this wheelbarrow and they get wheeled out every so often just yep. to keep the network alive. Yep. Okay. And there I'm are putting... plenty of missing people to spotlight, unfortunately. And so they should do that. Right. I'm rolling I'm my soapbox away. <laughs> that as, I'm hoping that as people that are um, true crime whatever we are. I don't want to say fans. I like, I don't know what we are, but people that, that follow true crime cases, I hope we can start as viewers of like consumers of this medium to hold those people accountable for, for researching and and looking into cases that they have not before. Absolutely. And I think that's, what's important in understanding the true crime community because so many people think it's this, macabre fascination and i know that the people who are listening to us especially if you're you're this far into the episode (laughs) you're you're with us but it it is a macabre fascination but it's also we want answers for the victims on behalf of the victims and of for on behalf of all of the victims we want we you know our dream world would be that there are no more cases for us to talk about on this podcast yeah and you know what even if there is never another murder or disappearance kidnapping anything we have plenty of shit to talk about for the rest of time yeah we are not going anywhere like we'll be here right there's plenty of cases that have not been covered by lifetime movies or id or oxygen or anyone that deserve their day right like I just learned today on another podcast that they they arrested someone for uh, murdering Faith Hedgepeth, the missing really? Native woman. Yeah, where was that on the news? Right. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, it's like a huge thing. It was actually like a random encounter, and they found her DNA on on a blanket, and that's what. Or they found her, her DNA and this man's DNA on a blanket, and that's what led to his arrest. And it's like, where is that? I don't get it. So to to talk more about Natalie, because we we will sorry, just be for the next <laughs> hour and a half if we don't. Sorry, I'm so sorry. No, you're. I mean, it's it's a right headspace to be in, but it I know was, we won't finish if I don't redirect. Us. It enrages me. It really does. So um, keep on, keep so it on. Natalie Ann Holloway was born on October twenty first, nineteen eighty six, in Clinton, Mississippi. So. So I think the Southern accent was intentional. Um, yes. I think the slipping out of was not. <laughs> she was very, she was very Southern. I knew that. Um, but it was like the slipping out of the accent that I'd be like, and then all, cause then all of a sudden it come roaring back. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> she was the oldest of two from her mother, Beth's first marriage with David Holloway. Mm-hmm. Um, they separated in 1993 And she has a younger brother named Matthew. Mm -hmm. Um, After Beth's second marriage to, sorry, Beth remarried uh, a man named George Twitty. He went by Jug. Yep, that's the guy. Jug. Um, After her second marriage, the family moved to Alabama where Natalie attended Mountain Brook High School and she graduated with honors. No Um, offense at all to Natalie's stepfather, but there the name jug you can only come from alabama that those are the rules right (laughs) 
um, after high school, she wanted to be a doctor. Oh, honey. So she graduated on May 24th, 2005, leaving for Aruba, and it was later concluded that she disappeared no more than five days later. As the mother of a current senior in college, I cannot imagine sending him off. current senior in high school. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I was like, don't rush him yet. (sighs) He he can't even pick which one he's going to. He's about to go to college. No, he cannot fucking pick which one he's going to. I'm going to kill him. He's not going to make it. Um, But (laughs) as a mother of a current senior in high school, thank you. I cannot imagine like celebrating all that good stuff and then sending him on a trip that's supposed to be so much fun. And then he right. just never comes back. I oh. know. Oh. Um. So she, Fran said she was the typical golden child. Mm-hmm. She volunteered for several causes, including the Humane Society and the Cancer Society. She was responsible, trustworthy. Um, and Fran said, bottom line is that she had every reason to be allowed to go. Yeah. Um. So wasn't a bad kid, yeah. No. Now, okay. As a teacher, these numbers drive me insane. Oh boy. Holloway and 124 of her classmates. Oh my god. Along with seven adult chaperones arrived in Aruba. That's 20 kids to one person. That's way too many for a for a trip to another country. No. I'm what? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't read ahead. Fran said, am I just paranoid? Is that Or does that sound like not enough chaperones? No, it's not enough chaperones. You are <laughs> it is correct. Not. I can, as, a, as a teacher with 10 years experience, I can tell you that is not enough unless, okay, so complete sidebar here. Unless those chaperones are just me and Dr. Sarah. Have I ever told you about chaperoning with Dr. Sarah? I mean, no, but she got shit done. She explained a she, whole thing about vaccines to me earlier. She is a hard ass on trips. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have high expectations and the kids know, like, they're used to me as their teacher. So they just. And you're like, and wouldn't... now here's my wife. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so it would get to the point where they'd be like, hey, who's going on the trip with us? And I'd be like, my wife. And they go, Aww. oh, man. <laughs> But one time uh, we were at the water park and Sarah set a 15 minute timer so that there are groups of kids that had to come back to get resprayed for sunscreen. Sure. And so she was like, you're group one. So you'll come back. You know, she like gave them time zones. And one kid said, my mama said, I don't have to put on sunscreen. And she went, baby, I'm your mama today. <laughs> <laughs> love her so much i'm telling you i don't know how you got so lucky but you did a good job with that one listen all you have to do is club them over your head over their head take them to your cave and convince them you're the marion type that was the hardest part but apparently i have to convince her that of every day i have to keep up this charade that i know what i'm doing in life yeah every day i have to wake up and pretend i'm the same <laughs> You should have just married a less successful person and right. you would be fine. I don't um, know why you're complaining. <laughs> right. Um, no, but so they arrived on the 26th, 2005. They stayed at the Holiday Inn uh, in Aruba. They stayed at the Holiday Inn. Aruba is a Dutch colony, but over 70% of the tourists are American. 
So most citizens speak English. Okay. So because of the high volume of American like tourists. anywhere in the Caribbean. Right. Um, so because of the high volume of Americans who are visiting, you can find a lot of what they call the comforts of home, such as Holiday Inn, McDonald's, etc. Um, also, <laughs> Fred spelled McDonald's the way that my mom says it. Mac. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and so so I, just, I just want to like point out that the school or whoever organized this trip broke the cardinal rule of traveling traveling in the Caribbean, which is you stay on an all-inclusive resort and you don't leave. Yeah. That's how you don't go missing. You stay in a resort and you don't leave. Um, but also, who goes to another country and eats at McDonald's? Okay, so when we went to England, no. I did have one meal at McDonald's because you can only eat baked potatoes so many times before you want to scream in somebody's face. Go get some fish and chips and call it we a day. We had some fish and chips. It was delicious. So when Sarah and I sang in this choir tour through England, most of the meals were arranged for us and it was the same like preset meal for everybody. And I was like, if I have to eat one more mass produced potato... Because it's easy to bake 100 potatoes in England for everybody with no seasoning. 100 um, potatoes for everyone in England. <laughs> my, my friend Shanice actually brought a travel bottle of Tony Saturies yes. so that she could put it on all the food. <laughs> I love Tony Saturies. Also, um, where was I going? I don't remember. Never don't mind. know. You were yelling at me about I my was. choices. You gotta eat. Eat local, uh, eat local food. Oh my God. We, anytime I've traveled internationally by that, I mean all three times. Um, and they were England, Ireland, and Canada. So they're not even like crazy places. Um, Get disco fries in Canada. Yeah. Um, so we and, had uh, poutine. Uh, uh, Tim um, Hortons. We Canada, it was delicious. We had Tim Hortons. Um, also, we went there for our honeymoon. Let me tell you how many dollars we had between the two of us. Zero. 12 <laughs> so we did a lot of splitting so, meals there true story the only time i've ever really eaten fast food on vacation and it wasn't even out of the country we were in vegas we stayed for three days we ate one fancy dinner out and i had lunch one time at subway <sighs> those were the only two times i ate when i was in vegas the whole time <laughs> i was there the only time you ate at all? At all. I'm like, I want to faint just from hearing that. I plan my trips around what I'm going to eat. We ate at a very like schmancy restaurant our last night there. And then we ate one day in the middle at Subway for lunch. And that's all, that's all I ate while I was there the whole time. And this girl disappeared. Let me tell you this horrible story. So I had Subway in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I know. I'm not. That's my I travel food story. That's my we, fancy travel food story. What we're telling you is that we're about to start a travel blog. Yes. Um, Aaron and Paul travel the world. And we're going to tell you about all the places we've eaten. Um, mine will start with the McDonald's in Piccadilly Circus. Um, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> um, you can get porridge there, in case you're wondering. 
Can I get Subway there? At the McDonald's <laughs> and Piccadilly Circus? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll take one Subway, please. <laughs> okay. We are talking too much about ourselves again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the students reported a lot of partying, a lot of bar hopping, since of it's course. legal to drink at 18 there, yes. obviously. Um, and Fran says Natalie was a Coke and Bacardi kind of girl, which I love. Sure. Um, it was then revealed. Cuba Libre. Yes. Um, it was then revealed that the students caused such an ordeal that they were not welcomed back the next year. And I wouldn't be like, a whole person went missing. Why was the school <laughs> trying to go back? Right. Was the ordeal that a human being went missing and it turned out to be a diplomat's son that did did the missingness. And so then it caused a whole scandal in Aruba when the police came knocking on the door and they didn't want the bad press. Because I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And the school's like, no, 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 we can't go back because the students were drinking too much. It just caused a ruckus. <laughs> Next year we're going to Cancun. What could happen? <laughs> But we're staying at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> so, um, she's, uh, it, chaperones admit that that they checked in with students once a day to make sure everything was okay. <laughs> I was about to go on a rant, but Fran did it for me. There's a bullet point that just says, once a day. Oh, and, then a, and then a sub-bullet point that says, that's 124 teenagers, high school graduates on a tropical vacation without their parents, accompanied by seven adults. Who weren't even checking on them. I, I, well, it's, even, even if Natalie had returned home safe and sound, they would not have been invited back. No. <laughs> um, Jody Beerman, who organized They're the like, trip. You know what I, I think is really nice this time of year? Juarez, I think that's a nice place to go right now. <laughs> Joni Fearman, who organized the trip, admitted that the chaperones, quote, were not supposed to watch their every move. Then what the fuck are chaperones for? Okay, I like, get that just... kind of. I get that kind of, but that should mean that, like, you're not watching their every middle move, ground. but you're going to be at Senior Frogs. You're going to be, like, making sure they're safe. Right. You know, it's not like, okay, we're just going to let them run loose and I'm going to read by the pool for a week. Right. Like, that's my problem is even, even seniors, like even people who've graduated, you are there on a trip. I am in charge of you. I am the, uh, the adult representative. I am the person in charge of making sure you get home to your family. That you so, get to go to college in the fall. So there are going to be more, more restrictions than this. Yeah. Um, one of my students' parents offered to chaperone a trip with us one time, but I knew that with her older child, the, the orchestra director before me had taken them down to New Orleans for something, and she allowed all the kids who were 18 to go into Coyote Ugly with them. And I was like, nope, you're not going on my trip because I can't trust you. Yeah, I think that there has to be a happy medium there, but also I don't want to stray to the point of being like, well, it's the chaperone's fault because it's not. I'm not it's not. Yeah. But, but there this, are a bunch of factors at play here that exactly led to natalie 
being able to go missing without anybody noticing. So Natalie's friends and classmates all admitted to excessive drinking, stating that Natalie drank all day, every day. When you're 18 and someone hands you a bottle of liquor, of course you're going to drink. Right. Um, Natalie drank all day, every day, sleeping through breakfast for two mornings in a row. And then Fran's commentary is, it's fine, she's 18. If I was an 18-year-old in Arupa for the first time without my parents, any time spent sober is time wasted. That's true. And also... (laughs) I don't think I ate breakfast from the ages of, well, from the ages of like 14, but that's a different story. Right. So like 23. Yeah. If if I have the choice between sleeping and breakfast, I am always choosing sleeping. Always. So Natalie and her friends went out bar hopping on the second to last night of their trip and they met... Yoron Vandersloot, which isn't that one of the girls from uh, Gossip Girl? Serena Vanderwoodson. Yeah, uh-huh. So um, Serena was 17 at the time. I also, and I won't name her, but I have um, one of the girls in the sorority that I advise has a very similar name. Gotcha. And I won't name her. She is a lovely, lovely human being, and I adore her. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I was like, I have to be careful not to type this person's last name. And right. the real guy's last name. <laughs> right. Um, so Vandersloot was 17 at the time, and they were they met at a bar called Carlos and Charlie's. And Natalie Which is just left... Senior Frogs 2.0. Right. Natalie left with his with him and his two companions, brothers Deepak, who was 21, and Satish, who was 18. Um, they left at about two in the morning and Ow. she was never seen again. Natalie did not show up for the return flight and her packed luggage and passport remained in her hotel room. I'm sorry. I just want to confirm something. Uh-huh. And I know the answer, but I'm going to make you confirm it anyway. They went out two nights before they left. Uh-huh. And she didn't, nobody knew she was missing till she didn't show up for the return flight. That's, that's what I read. Um, so Natalie needed better friends. I hope she was going to make some in college. Yes. Um, wow. But again, again, not their fault. So many. Just so, so many wrong decisions that led to right. this situation. Um, but it's still the murderer's fault that she died. Aruban authorities initiated searches of the island and surrounding waters, but to no avail. So immediately after the missed flight, Natalie's mother and stepfather flew to Aruba on a private jet to find her. That day, it was a matter of hours later, Natalie's parents provided authorities with the name and address of Joran Vandersloot. Her parents. (laughs) The devil works hard, but a panicked mother works harder. True facts, yeah. (laughs) Vandersloot maintains that he and the brothers... uh, Kalpoe were their last name. Kalpo, Kalpoe. And they were, if I'm not mistaken, and you probably can't confirm this, I, I think they were native to to Aruba. Okay. I don't know that answer. Pretty sure. But, um, so, Vandersloot maintains that he and the brothers dropped her off at the hotel soon after driving off with her, nope. claiming that she fell down, refused help, and then... Nope was approached by, quote, a big man in a black shirt who resembled a security guard. Nope, that didn't happen. 
Fran says, to a Reuben Authority's credit, they really did a lot. And I don't know if that's sarcasm or not. There are a lot of bullet points, but I feel like they couldn't have possibly done a lot. Um, but she says, 50 Dutch Marines contacted a th- conducted a thorough and extensive search of the shoreline. A Reuben government gave thousands of civil servants a paid day off so they could participate in the search. A spokesman for Aruba's government, Ruben Trappenberg, told Fox News in June 2005 that the island country wanted to solve the case as quickly as possible. Quote, that is the absolute intention, he said. During the weekend, the investigation went on 24 hours a day. There's no sleeping or taking a break on this case. And then she left a link that just says, here is where I read that. That all sounds like a lot of work, except when you go back and look at it through the lens of they know what happened and they were just refusing to arrest the person who was responsible. Right. Um, $20,000 were raised by a Reuben Banks to provide other support to aid search teams. (laughs) Reports swear up and down that the surveillance cameras were not working the night Natalie disappeared. Beth stated in her book that they were, although the police commissioner maintains that even if they were working, she did not have to go through the lobby to get to her room. That means nothing. Right. Natalie's mother was given housing at at first at the Holiday Inn. They put her in the same room where her daughter was. No. And then she put, purely coincidence, it's the thought that counts. No, it's not. She was then moved to the presidential suite in the Wyndham Hotel. There you go. <laughs> they, they conducted extensive analysis of physical evidence searching the car and a stain that appeared to be blood. It was tested and determined it was not blood. I don't know. That was all they gave me. America Great. also cooperated with the Reuben authorities as Condoleezza Rice had them on speed dial at one point. That whole sentence felt so participation trophy-esque to me. Like, yeah, yeah, America helped. Nobody did a goddamn thing. No. The, oh, Beth did a goddamn thing. Well, yes, except Beth. Um, <laughs> but I just... Looking back on this through what we know now, it is absolutely criminal that they allowed this to happen that the u.s allowed them to allow this to happen right it's absurd and no maybe they would have maybe they would have never found her body because they like it's rumored that they've dumped her in deep water which would have been very difficult but at least hold that person responsible i don't give a fuck who his father is right So, um, Vandersloot and the brothers still remain the primary suspects of this case, mostly because they kept changing their stories. Vandersloot had been playing cat and mouse with Beth Holloway, Beth Holloway Twitty for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she said, even if we could, if he didn't do it, can we still arrest him for being a douchebag, please? Pretty please? I can't really go into Diddy Delts too much because I don't want this to be a three-hour-long episode, but here's a timeline of what he's done so far. On June 9, 2005, Vandersloot was arrested as a suspect for the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. He was arrested along with the um, 
Kaplos. Oh, okay, their name was misspelled earlier, so I really messed up how to pronounce it. Um, July 4th, 2005, the Kaplos were released from the prison where Vandersloot is still kept in custody. The Kaplos at one point tell the Holloway family that the three of them took turns having sex with Natalie, a.k.a. raping, I would assume. Yes. September 2005, Vandersloot says that they did not have sex with Natalie. He talks about this on television because, of course, the U.S. puts him on television. This is the other thing that is so frustrating about true crime right now. Stop glorifying these fucking assholes. Uh-huh. There is nothing to admire about this dude or um, Brian Laundrie or the Golden State Killer or Bill Cosby or any of these people. They just trot out like, look at this murderer. I don't care. Put them in jail where they belong. Yeah, I mean, for real. I don't I don't need to see their face. Nope. I need to see them behind bars. Exactly. So, um in two thousand seven he is rearrested and tells the tells her parents that he sold her into human trafficking and then denied it. In two thousand ten yep. he flees to Peru after extorting twenty five thousand dollars from Beth Holloway. And then in all caps, I told you he's a douchebag, like she had to convince me. I mean, like, we didn't, like, we haven't been talking about that this whole time. God, Fran, why can't you read our minds? Fuck. May 30th, 2010, he kills a woman in Peru by bludgeoning her to death. This dude deserves his own episode because this guy attracts some drama. This guy does not deserve his own episode. He is trash. He belongs in a trash can. Um, so, um, see, on May 30th, 2010, five years after her disappearance, after Holloway's disappearance, Stephanie Flores Ramirez, um, who is a 21 year old business student was reported missing in Lima, Peru. She was found dead three days later in a hotel registered in a hotel room registered to Vandersloot's name. Um, on June 11th, he was charged in Lima Superior Court with first-degree murder and robbery. On June 15th, Aruban and Peruvian authorities announced an agreement to cooperate and allow investigators from Aruba to interview to interview Vandersloot um, at, well, while he was in prison in Peru. For what purpose? They can be like, hey man, how you been? Last time I saw you, I drove you to the airport when the FBI was looking for you. Right. Weird a coincidence you've got yourself stuck in here. So, in a September 2010 interview from the prison, Vandersloot reportedly admitted to the extortion plot, stating, I wanted to get back at Natalie's family. Her parents have been making my life tough for five years. Well, that's really a United States matter, not an Aruba matter. Send him back here. Send him to Texas. We'll kill him. <laughs> we'll take care of it for you. I don't even believe in the death penalty, but we'll so, do it for this guy. On January 11th, 2012, he pleaded guilty to murdering Stephanie Flores and okay, was sentenced to a whopping 28 years in prison. You have got to be kidding me. So. No, tell me you're joking. Nope. Uh-uh. 
in Peru, they just like beat people in prison, right? I would hope so. In in Peru, 28 years in prison actually means he's just in a pit of fire for 28 years. Okay, that makes they'll me feel lift, They'll lift him up every so often to see if he's well done yet. Okay. Like, are you crispy? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Back down you go. Um, oh, God. So in June of 2011, which was six years after Natalie's disappearance, Dave Holloway filed a petition with the Alabama courts to have his daughter declared legally dead. The papers served on his were served on his ex-wife Beth Twitty who announced her intention to oppose the petition a hearing was held on September 23rd 2011 at which time a judge ruled that Dave Holloway had met the requirements for a legal presumption of death on January 12 2012 a second hearing was held after which uh, a judge signed the order declaring Natalie Holloway to be dead <sighs> And then we're going to talk about this oxygen documentary. Oh, this is the one. Uh huh. Right. So, um, so a couple of things. On November 12, 2010, tourists found a jawbone on an Aruban beach near the Phoenix Hotel and Bubali Swamp. Preliminary examination by a forensic expert depend- determined that the bone was from a young woman. A part of the bone was sent to The Hague for testing by the Netherlands Forensic Institute. On November 23, 2010, Aruba Solicitor General... Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. His name is Taco Stein. Makes me want a taco real bad. And a beer. Taco yeah. Stein. It's a great day. Yeah, that is a good day. That's a good uh, name. It's a good, solid, strong name. Yep. Taco Stein announced that based on dental records, the jawbone was not of Holloway, but it was not possible to, to, and it was not even possible to determine whether it had come from a man or a woman. Right. So in 2016, Dave Holloway hired a private investigator, TJ Ward, to once more go through all the evidence and information related to the disappearance of his daughter. Mm -hmm. And this led to an informant named Gabriel, who claimed to have been a roommate of one of Vandersloot's closest friends, an American named John Ludwig in 2005. Yes. Gabriel claimed that Ludwig was told what became of Natalie. In an interview with the Oxygen TV channel, Gabriel gave a detailed description of what happened on the night of Natalie's disappearance. Oxygen created then a new documentary series on Natalie's disappearance that aired October, August, sorry, August 19th, 2017. Using Gabriel's information, the investigator had found what appeared to be human bones. On October 3rd, 2017, DNA testing concluded that one piece of bone was, was human, but did not belong to Natalie. Okay. On the show, Ludwig claimed to have helped Vandersloot dig up, smash, and cremate Nat Holloway's bones in 2010. In February 2018, Elizabeth Holloway sued the producers, alleging that this and other claims are fictional and harmfully lurid, and that she was misled into providing a DNA sample for comparison without being made aware of the plans for a show. Yes. In March of 2018, Ludwig was stabbed to death by a woman that he tried to kidnap. Cool. 
Sorry, not sorry. Um, yeah. Rest in unpeace. Hell. Um. And that's what I'm saying about this documentary. It was super exploitative of the family, and yeah. I cannot. Yeah, and I remember this because they were like, we found these bones. You'll never believe what we found. Yeah, you'll never believe these aren't Natalie Holloway's bones. <laughs> yes, I believe that 100%. Um, so obviously, all this investigation went under um, criticism. Um, Duh. yeah. Um, another thing is that on September 15th, 2005, the Dr. Phil show, why is he always involved? He is always involved. Showed parts of a hidden camera interview with Deepak Kalpo in which he seemingly affirmed a suggestion that Natalie had sex with all three men. The taping. If you mean was raped by. by, Yeah. Then sure. I believe that. Um, the taping had been instigated by Jamie Skeeters, um, who was a private investigator. Was what? Scooter Braun's first cousin. (laughs) (laughs) And he, um, when the tape was broadcast, news reports indicated an expectation of a rearrest, which um, and that there was a strong possibility it was a strong possibility of a rearrest if the tapes were deemed legitimate. So, Aruban police then provided a fuller version of the relevant part of the tape. And I put re- relevant in quotes because this is now Aruban police who are providing it. Yeah. Um, in which Calpo's response differed from the Dr. Phil version, apparently due to editing that may have altered the meaning of what he said, which also probably happened. Sure. An unofficial Aruban-affiliated spokesperson and commentator on the case said that the uncut videotape showed that Kalpa was shaking his head, was shaken, and um, shaking his head saying, no, she didn't, thereby denying that Holloway had sex with him and the other two men. According well, to I, you know, again, I'm going to say that's true because I don't believe she had sex, had sex with, with any them. of them. Right. Um. So, um, according to MSNBC, the crucial words were inaudible and the presenter, Rita Cosby, questioned if it could be substantiated that Calpo had ever made the statements attributed, attributed to him in the Dr. Phil show. Um, so in December 2006, the Calpos filed a slander and libel suit against Skeeter who died in January 2007, and against Dr. Phil. Okay. Sue that guy. Uh, I don't care. Right. Holloway's parents responded by filing a wrongful death lawsuit against the Calpos. What is happening? (laughs) That court is like, I'm sorry, can we just listen to all of this at one time and just... No, Aruba's like, get out of our country... We didn't well, no, want this. All of this was filed in Los Angeles. Oh, good. Uh, then you yeah. know what? We brought this on ourselves. Keep going. Right. Um, so the wrongful death suit was dismissed for lack of personal jurisdiction. And the libel and slander case was initially set for trial on October 12, 2011. 
but was later set for April 2015. An earlier suit had been filed in New York City by Holloway's parents against um, Euron and his father. Sure. Um, but the case was dismissed in August as filed in an inconvenient forum. I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like, dude, their daughters went missing. That's kind of inconvenient, too. So maybe let's not use that wording. Yeah. Um, on November 10th, 2005, Paulus v- Vandersloot won an unjust detention action against the Aruban government, clearing him as a suspect and allowing him to retain his government contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so Daddy Vandersloot then brought a second action seeking monetary damages for himself and his family because of his false arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It was initially successful and then it was reversed on appeal. Yeah, because that family is trash. So then there's the Amigo article. So the Amigo newspaper reported on interviews with Julia Renfro. Um, in which has objections. Yeah, I agree, Juniper. In which they said that Aruban authorities had been systematically obstructed in their investigation by U.S. officials. They said that within a day of Holloway's being reported missing, a med jet unauthorized by Aruban authorities had arrived on a, in Aruba and had remained for several days for the purpose of covertly taking Natalie Holloway off the island without notifying local authorities. What? Renfro, who's an American-born editor of the English-language daily Aruba Today, who at the time of Natalie Holloway's disappearance had become close friends with Beth, also said that she and Beth received a phone call from an unknown woman on on June 2nd, 2005, asking for money in return for information about Natalie's location, asserting that Natalie was unwilling to return to her mother. According to Renfro, she and another American went to a drug house where Holloway supposedly was bringing money, but found that Jug Twitty had already been to the area spreading, quote, a lot of uproar and panic in the direct vicinity and nothing could be accomplished. The Twitties then disputed Renfro's accounts and Beth Twitty described Renfro as a witch. Okay, well, we don't use that term anymore derogatorily, so. Just telling you what was said. Like, that's a quote. So... Um, there have been many, many books and coverage and videos. Um, Fran said she herself went through countless magazines and newspaper articles about the case, not to mention watching several videos. Mm -hmm. Um, her case is still open. You can find the public record on FBI.gov if you search for Natalie Holloway's name. Yep. Um, and then in the Wikipedia article, there's actually a huge thing that I did not read. I opened this article just now as we were talking, Uh Um, but there's a huge portion called media coverage. um, And it says 
The saturation of coverage triggered a backlash among some critics who argued such extensive media attention validated the missing white woman syndrome theory. Um, so uh, all of our complaints are valid. They're in the Wikipedia article. Well, that's all Just I care saying, about. We're supported. <laughs> Oh, I can't. It just breaks my heart. The whole thing is awful. Yeah. And so, like, when you mentioned that we hadn't done this, I was like, how have we not done this? I and was for sure that we were making a duplicate. I had I went through every... And I even listened to the first part of it to be like, okay, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then as you started talking about this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I know why we haven't done this yet. I think I think I thought we did it because we talked about doing it uh, when we did Amanda Knox. Yes. And that is what jogged my memory. But um, wow. Um, Rot in jail and then inhale. 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 Yep. We have golf ball sized pieces of hell. Rain on you, Prometheus style, for the rest of your life. Rot in jail and then rot in hell, you epic piece of fucking garbage. And I really do hope that Natalie's family and that Stephanie's family have been able to find some kind of closure in this just absolutely horrible story. Because, you know, as... Stephanie's if I were Stephanie's family I'd be like why was this guy not in jail yeah absolutely why was he even out here able to murder my child you right. fucking dumb shits what happened I oh god I just can't imagine either of their grief I'm it's, it would be over I don't think I'd survive if it were it's me. just so it blows my mind and it also doesn't you know we're a yeah. hundred and something episodes in. Yeah. It blows my mind that it took someone who was better connected in the government, like in a government, to get something to happen. It does, but it doesn't to me. I'm just like. Right. That's what I'm saying. It does. Because also, it... like, the appeal of a missing white girl, blonde, just graduated from high school should have been plenty to get people off their asses to find her. But yeah, but I guess the power of money from his father, you know, closed a lot of doors. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It is ridiculous. So next week we'll be back with an uplifting story about kidnapping or something. <laughs> Maybe we can find someone who survives. Doubtful. We we mentioned earlier off the record that we're kind of at the end of we of really lifetime. Are. Yeah, we found the end of lifetime, mm -hmm. and we don't know what's coming. So it'll be a surprise to all of us. Yeah, we're we're kind of at the end of lifetime's catalog here, which is interesting. This is our one hundred and forty fourth episode. I can't believe it took us this long, really. To honestly, yeah, the catalog. Um, but I can't believe after this much time we still like each other. Oh, I can. I like you. But um, um, well, I what I really mean is I can't believe you still like me because I knew I was going to like you, but like I get oh, obnoxious. Thank you. You're fine. But yeah, so we're figuring out what to do next and what that all looks like, and so just bear with us. 
Um, I'm hoping that we can find that Dutch movie. Yeah. Because um, I really want to cover that just because the ending is fucking rad. Right. Um, but we'll see what happens. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, um, please find us on all the socials. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, like 250 other people have this month. Y'all... I where don't you know where from? they came from. I don't I don't even think they listen. I just think they like our page and I don't know why. But if you do listen and you're here, like tell me because I'm so interested. Yeah, <laughs> I wanna know. Um but yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um you can that page is facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Yes. And find our website at lifetime sentence.com. Shoot mm-hmm. us an email at podcast at lifetime sentence.com. All of those things. And, and we'll be back next week. Yep. And until happy then, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Uh, but also, not happy Indigenous Peoples Month. Because, yes, um, more importantly. Thanksgiving is trash. Um, yes. But turkey is delicious. But don't feel bad because they did not eat turkey at the first Thanksgiving. Right. Also, um, keep in mind the immortal words of that woman who I saw on TikTok. Um, why are they telling us that we can't celebrate Columbus Day anymore when we are turning around the next month and we are celebrating him and the way that he ate with the Indians? That is. <laughs> I was like, zero, of, zero of those words are correct, ma'am. Okay. What zero are you reading words. right now? Because, wow. <laughs> um, well, I got some recommendations from um, a book expert that I trust. And she pointed me in the direction of Lincoln Highway by um Was that the, the, the thing you did? Yes, that I I still haven't gotten word of when it comes out, but um there is a super secret project that I'm excited to share yeah, with everybody. Paul did a thing. Out. It's gonna be so fun. Paul did a thing. Um so I started Lincoln Highway. I also started City of Go- of Girls. Um, you can tell I'm tired because that oh. R was about to go away. Elizabeth Gilbert is a treasure. Have you read it? I have not, but I um I read Big Magic and then that was next on my list and then I got nine thousand arcs and book of the month and everything. And so Gotcha. I am I'm a little bit in the weeds right now with reading. I understand. What are you working on? Um, I'm in the middle of the collective. Um okay, very really good. good. It's about a mother whose child is killed um at a college party and she is very angry because the guy who she thinks killed her um was acquitted of any wrongdoing and so she finds this group of mothers who are all grieving the loss of their children and she kind of stumbles into more than she bargained for Ooh, um, i'm gonna have to borrow this whenever you're finished and then i am also reading the upcoming jody picolt novel that is called bear with me Wish you were here. Here's the thing about Jodi Piku. I cannot Piku, read Jodi Piku because um, I will spiral. I've read three of her books. I spiraled every time. Cannot do it. It comes out on the 30th, so I have to finish it like pretty soon. 
um, to get my review in because I got it as an ARC. Um, but so far, I am loving it. Has a has a very like um, John Lennon and Yoko Ono type relationship in it. Okay. Um, and then it also has um, depression. She well, she's an art. She's like an art um, appraiser, and so there's lots of like her describing works of art, which I freaking love. Um, oh, I, I do love, love to that. Read that stuff. And so it's been um, really good. But she goes to the Galapagos Islands um, on vacation. Um, it is at the beginning of the pandemic. Her boyfriend is a doctor, so he stays behind. So it's them trying to communicate. They're completely cut off. She is quarantined on the island. He is working at a hospital in New York City. They're trying to communicate through the pandemic as things get really, really bad. Um, gotcha. And it's really, really interesting. I'm totally hooked. It's very good. I can't read pandemic books right now. Like I, I didn't think are. I could, but... Since it goes back to the beginning, like in the very beginning, they're like, oh, it's going to be two weeks. And I was like, oh, been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so since it starts from the beginning and I, that feels like a million years ago to me, it's been okay. Have you read Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel? No. Mm-mm. It is about the fall of society. It's kind of post-apocalyptic. Sure. Except the apocalypse is... Um, COVID? It, 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 well, it was inspired by bird flu that happened several years ago now. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it starts out like COVID and everyone quarantines, but then it just keeps getting worse and worse till the world falls apart. And sure. it's actually, it switches time between like the pandemic currently happening and then like 25 years in the future. Okay. So it's how society has rebuilt itself okay. immediately yeah. after instead of like, generations after sure it is so well written that's interesting yeah so she goes to the galapagos island this was like one of their bucket list trips he encourages her to go by herself she works for sotheby's um appraising art for auction and um she goes and then ends up quarantined on the island um and so everything's closed she has they lost her luggage when she landed and so she has nothing um and then, of course, she meets um, this man and her daughter and his daughter, who has his daughter's like very depressed and is self harming and everything. So mm. it's really interesting. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. Of course. And um, until next time, everybody, eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.